Welcome, everybody. Well, um, Victor, that's very flattering. And Vin, that's also very flattering. That's actually a, a <laughs> practice session I had a few months ago. I kind of had a feeling it was you. <laughs> yeah. I, um, very nice bagpipe. I was, it was very Gandhi-ish in sound there, the bagpipe. Uh, sure it was. Yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I sure hope it wasn't either uh, Donald McPherson or Bruce Gandhi because of the glaring mistake in the second line. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But that's okay. So that was the ground of the Corey Nesson salute with a – I think that, if I'm not mistaken, um, there's an error there in that second line. See, now I want to look at the uh, music. Yeah, small mistake there. Oh, well, but that was fun. I just uh, – yeah, it's Peabrock week here at the dojo, and so uh, we've been talking a lot about different Peabrocks and Peabrock movements and stuff like that, so uh, – Lynn says Peabrock ain't about perfection. There you go. Enlightened. I knew yeah, that's I, very uh, bold outlook on it all. I wish uh, many judges felt the same way. <laughs> okay, so um, the first question I saw was in regards to he Harin movements. Uh, somewhere. Somebody asked for good exercises for those, right? Yeah. I don't know. I think the best exercise I know of for that is to um, is to play them, you know, <laughs> many times uh, in order. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's in terms of like if you're having trouble, it's just a matter of it's like you would treat it like any other embellishment that you're having trouble with, right? Just break it down and uh, you know practice your good fundamentals in the process until you're comfortable sort of picking up the rhythm a little bit, you know? Yeah, I am. Um, one of the things I would do is I would probably uh, first and foremost consult Peabrock Fingerwork by Jimmy Gilbert. <laughs> um, it's probably what I would do because I'm sure he's got some good exercise and insight there. Oop, there it is. Um I would highly recommend that, John. For anyone who's seriously interested in Peabrock, it's sort of like uh, sort of a must-have, which is cool. Jim, Jim is good for producing products that uh, are of use. <laughs> so um, I would definitely check that out. And, of course, Rhythmic Fingerwork is its predecessor, which covers pretty much everything you'd ever want to know about uh, producing good um, – finger work for the pipes basically um so john let's leave it at there leave it there for now i can't really think of any great exercises off the top of my head but maybe we'll come back to that um ashby says pbrock deserves more than one week well be careful what you wish for ashby <laughs> um, so uh yeah, so Cameron is asking about inexpensive ways to record the pipes, such as the recording I just played. Um, that was actually, wow. yeah, I'm trying to think of, I think that particular recording, I actually have a little box um, that goes into my computer. It's like a little mini mixer that goes into the USB port of my computer, and I think I was hooked up through a microphone uh, and just recorded that on Audacity. Uh, but there are some great portable options of which uh, Vin is yeah. an expert, so I'll well, hand I mean, this over to you. The, the, the Zoom, the Zoom Handy uh, 
uh, H2 is it's, it was sort of an older model of what's now called the H2N. There's a model out. It's the newest model for that. It's a portable. It's under $200, and it's uh, it's excellent. It's like perfect for every purpose you ever want for bagpipes. Uh, it's got a great mic. You can control the gain, um, so you don't have to worry about like blasting out your your phone or your computer or any other microphone you might have, because none of them are really set up for uh, for live music necessarily, and definitely not for bagpipes. <laughs> so. Um, you know, the Zoom is definitely something I would recommend. And I think there's a couple others out there, too, that do a good job that are not too expensive. Like Sony makes one. I think uh, there's a, it's called the M10. I don't know how much that is, though. Um, these are portable things that easily plug into your computer, and you can they work off of an SD card, so you can transfer files easily and do what you want with them. So I'd highly yeah, recommend uh, that for everyone. Do you have your Q2 yet, then? I do have my Q2. Yes, and I've been messing around with it. It's kind of funny because it's like it doesn't have a it's it's when you're recording yourself, you have to sort of position it just right to get a decent sort of view of things. So it's kind of a kind of a a, a juggling act to try and you know sort of put it on a tripod and sort of sit it in the corner to try and get a decent like you know yeah. full view screen you know of yourself if you're playing you know. But the recording is just is awesome. It's just as good as the sort of the audio zoom, um, and it's, it's it's a great thing. Yeah, I've read a few articles about how the Zoom Q2 is putting like an entire industry of, uh, you know, uh, sound and video recorders like out of, out of business, like like small businesses. And they're ten thousand dollars worth of equipment in their boxes. Yeah. You know, they're just like basically putting in the closet and say goodnight. You know. Yeah, like people used to hire companies to handle yeah. the recording of like concerts and this and that in order to get the yeah. video and the audio synced up mm -hmm. and. And compatible with YouTube, and now there's the Zoom Q2, 200 bucks. Fitting in your hand. <laughs> the audio is pretty spectacular, you know, all around. I think for on those devices, and it's really, um, you know, the, to get any better, if you were going to hire professionals, you're you're getting a level of sort of mixing maybe that might not. Um, but you can play around with that stuff, especially if you're just recording yourself or if you're recording other soloists and stuff on bagpipes. And there's really nothing to it, and the sound is excellent. It's it's definitely CD quality, I think. Um, oh yeah, well, and the video's right good things. too. Yeah. You know, the video is, is is the same sort of thing. It's like, yeah, you could hire some like total experts to get it to look perfect, but that that looks pretty yeah. awesome. And and I love how easy it is to just like upload it to YouTube. I just plug exactly. it in, and then I plug it into my computer. See it. Exactly. I go to YouTube and I press upload, and it doesn't even take any storage on my computer, you know, either. I just Upload it straight to YouTube, and then once it's there, I can delete the file, and um, it's yeah, really cool. Definitely, definitely a cool thing, you know. And it's a fun toy for you know for for pipers. You just take around with you, take around to the games or whatever, and just play around with it, and just record bands or soloists and stuff. You just stand there and hold it. You know, I did that for my with my Zoom the record audio for a while. I just, just stand there and hold it, you know, on the sidelines. But um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's an awesome thing. I think you know it's, it's instead of relying on others. You know, which is why you would want something like that. You'd want to take, you know, sort of control of your own sort of uh, diet of good piping, you know, recording, making your own libraries and stuff. Yeah. And, and the, the thing, too, is as the world becomes uh, more and more sort of digitized and, um, you know, there's a whole lot of uh, little musical ninjas running around as opposed to like a mainstream industry, yeah. people are less and less concerned with that perfect studio quality. 
Um, I'm, yeah. I'm a big believer in that. I mean, we're sort of like a gorilla, you know, piping school that exists on the internet on exactly that premise, you know, like, um, you can, we've got these pipers all over the world that sort of teach from their home offices. Um, and people, there's lots of cool information to be learned and it's really cool. So, mm-hmm. um, zoom Q2 records HD video and, Oh, I see what you mean, Ashby. And you can also turn the video off to just record audio. Yeah, it yeah. absolutely yeah. does that. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, if you're into the video, it's awesome. If you're into the audio. I guess if you, I've already now I've got two things. I don't know what to, which one to use most of the time. Kind of a, kind of stuck. You know. Cool. Well, what other sort of questions do we have? That's so far people have been pretty quiet considering we have 36 people out there. You must have something you want to know about bagpipes, or have have we covered it all? Is maybe Dojo U? Wow. Maybe maybe we're done here. Maybe we've covered everything. Done. Just retire forever. Throw it all out there. <laughs> and I might add that recording, you know, having this, you know, the portable recording, John, for your for your exercises is a good way to sort of work them out well, as well. You know, you just record them, play them, play them back, and just keep at it until you get the right rhythm. You know, um, you went full circle with that. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Okay, so Lee is asking about the drone dries. Um, Besides how cool they are, uh, I, I need to give more information for Lee. Okay, well, here's the website, um, I think. It's a very slow-loading website. There must be tons and tons of traffic. Uh, Vin, have you tried these yet? I have not tried them, and I don't know anybody who has them, so I don't. I can't even say I've held them in my hands. I've um, seen them. They, they are a modern miracle. <laughs> So there you go. Um, we, we actually are going to get some drone drives in stock shortly. They just sent us the invoice. So they're in transit to us now. Basically what the drone dry is, is it's a, um, and I'm trying to like, um, what's the best way to show this, Carl? Do you have any idea? What would be the best way? Well, I, I mean, you could show your screen or... Uh, yeah, I could try that. Screenshots of it and just put the pictures up. That's probably the easiest and least scary method. Well, this is a little. <laughs> scary. Uh, there's there's a couple of videos out there of them in action, right? I think they they put up videos on you know some videos floating around that show them take, being taken apart and put together and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, it won't let me share my screen right now. Oh well, um, but yeah, you can get them in image ivory or nickel and basically they have several components inside of the drone um, I actually have them Carl you have them too do you want to show us I can do that are you using them Carl yeah are they, actually I am. They, they are all right so we'll give you a tour here Um, do they render canisters obsolete? Um, I think it's uh, yes. <laughs> I think it's unlikely. I think it's unlikely that canisters will become obsolete. But boy, it sure makes playing a sheep um, a lot more enjoyable. So here we are. 
them kind of tied in here. Um, I'm definitely getting to going to replace these with the imitation ivory ones when those come because I have imitation ivory pipes. But the way that these work, just like any stock, your reeds go right in. These are the, the new canard evolutions. Really enjoying playing these. Um, and then they come apart right in the middle of the stock here. So you can't really see this, but now you can. So there's the drone reed uh, in its little protective shell. So you can take these apart, and nothing's going to damage them in your case. And then we're left with this. And here's our canister. These are the little canisters that uh, allow us to dry to dry out the air that's going to our drone reeds. And you can sort of maybe see lines of holes on the inside. And that's um, where, the, uh, where the desiccant is able to absorb um, the, the passing moisture. And then finally, you've got the, your little nub here that's tied into the bag. Um, they can be a little tricky, tricky to tie in because it's made from plastic, so they're a little bit um, slippery, so you got to make sure yeah, it's really, really good and tight. <laughs> did you have the whole thing together while you did that, or did you just tie in? Oh, absolutely. You, 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 you could never get any purchase on this. Um, and, and so, yeah, you just leave it together when you get it tied on. Um, and then when you season your pipes, you've got to be rather careful not to leave these in, because I'm sure once seasoning touches the inside of this, it would completely ruin the canister. Um, but you can fit a standard cork right in right in this little nub, sort of. Um, or you can leave the, uh, the stock together if you just take these apart. You don't need the canister to, to screw on the outside of the stock. So. So, you're, so you're disassembling them every time you play. You're just sort of taking them apart and take the canister out. And then yeah. Them back together or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ideally, we're, we're going to have some extra canisters, so you can buy extra canisters with it. Um, so that you can, you know, maybe have a couple sets not going. Much of a, not much different a routine than, than the Ross canister, for sure. It's way different. You know? It's way different Wait, because... It, well, I mean, it's... You, you still take apart your stuff, you know. It's so much oh, easier yeah. than... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, pr the process is the same, but it's uh, different. But it's, it's like, the, you know, just you have the fact that you have to take everything apart and take the canister out and, like, remove it so it's not sitting in your bag and, like, all that kind of stuff. Well, you don't have to do that. Much. Well, no, I mean, know, these have been sitting in here for the last week. Right. Been, and um, I haven't had any problems with it whatsoever. Oops. Uh, so there's my three canisters. But to dry them out is pretty easy. You, you pop them in the microwave for 30 seconds, um, and you'll find beads of moisture on the inside. Um, and then you, you let them cool down because that kind of heats them up a lot. You, you wipe them out and you let them cool down. And then uh, you repeat that process four or five times. Um, and that uh, that gets rid of all the moisture in them. And if I'm, like, getting ready for a competition or something, I get them all dried out, and then I store them in a little plastic bag with some more desiccant in it just to, you know, really make sure that they stay totally dry. Um, and, yeah, they're, they, they've been really, really fantastic. We've been enjoying them. And the so what would be the advantage of with the uh, with the with the sheepskin though, I mean, if you got the sheepskin going, and you got the water trap. Are you still playing a water trap with them as well? Absolutely. Um, 
Well, if you do, if you're doing that, then like, would you really need the, the desiccant in there? I mean, it's like, would you have the reverse Absolutely, problem? Because you, you, no, no, see, you get some really, really great stability on your drone reeds because they get no moisture whatsoever as you're playing, um, and, and so they really are much more stable than than even just the the sheepskin and water trap, and it, it extends your playtime uh, significantly. Um, that. So yeah, it's it's a good thing. Um, it's cool. it's really cool. Hey, um, there's this new we want we need to try this new feature of Adobe Connect too before we're done because it's kind of cool. Oh. Uh, but I digress. So um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the drone drives are really cool, and then it's so much easier than the canister. And that's where I think you're mistaken. Like I don't even I don't even take my drone reads. I don't even take my drones apart. I just screw off the base, slide it out. Uh, take the canister, nuke them, stick them back in, screw them back in. Like there's no disassembly, and it's really easy. And it takes about takes about ten minutes. Takes about ten minutes to um, to nuke the canisters a couple times to get all the moisture out, and then to let them cool off. So here's what I do. Um, those of you who know me is I, I believe in a little bit of a soak. So I, I like to play my sheepskin for five to ten minutes. And then let the moisture get naturally in there and let the chanter sit there for a little while to let some of the moisture naturally soak into the chanter reed. Well, guess what I do during that period of time where I'm letting my chanter reed naturally soak in moisture is I, I stop my pipes and that's when I dry out my drone dries so that the remainder of my practice session can have a nice stable chanter reed and perfectly dry drone reeds and um, I played for al almost a full hour uh, with no hint of moisture. Um, mm. It's really, really cool. That's cool. That's pretty um, interesting. So, what is so if you if you've gotten like, you know, say you have a problem, which is the reverse of that, like moisture doesn't really get on the reeds until like a while in, and then and then it's like all hell breaks loose, you know. Like if like I, I have that problem, it's like I'll I'll be able to play, and Everything's fine because I don't have to worry about more. You know, between the setup, I've got the sheepskin and everything else works pretty well. And but toward the end, like it all sort of like reaches a, a critical mass, and then suddenly I've got condensation dripping, and everything else is like so. It's like everything's good up until a point, and then it's like a, a, draw, a steady drop downhill. You know, right. um, so it's you know the dry. I don't know if the dry would help with that or if it would, you know, just sort of extend it beyond the normal. Yeah, I just think it gives you a lot more time before you hit that the wall of moisture. That's what I think. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, okay, I let's cover seen some that. Now, now it's a toy I want. Now I have now I have desire in my heart. <laughs> I was so I was extremely skeptical at first. I was extremely skeptical, but then uh, Robbie Beaton, who's a local guy to us, and we we hang out with them and have lunch with them sometime. I mean, like, bottom line is he smoked the competition at Kansas city and his P Brock playing the drone drives. And, uh, and I was just like, all right, screw it. I have to try it now. And I tried it. And now I'm a, I'm a believer now. I'm a believer. Okay. Nice. Let's get to some of these questions. So, um, Steve, there's something about pulses of clan Campbell's. Let's have a look at that in a little bit. Uh, let's see if I could afford a set, you would order them in a hurry. Uh, Lee's got a nickel set that he wants. Uh, let's see. 
And then Lynn says, do you microwave the entire cartridge? Yeah, you take that little plastic cylinder, chuck it in the microwave, and then uh, you really can go no more than 35 to 40 seconds in the microwave or you're going to, like, melt them. you got to be careful with that. Um, but then, yeah, like, I find that 35 or 37 seconds in my microwave is, like, perfect. And then they come out and they, they've got, like, the moisture, and then I wipe them out with a towel, let them sit for a minute or two, uh, put them back in, nuke them again, and usually three or four nukes, and I um, uh, and they no longer, you know, uh, produce any more moisture. That's how I know. To, so what, is, what kind of desiccant, can you replace the desiccant, or is the whole cartridge, is it all sealed? Is it little beads, sealed. or is it something else? Nah. It's all sealed. It's so you don't know what's in it. It could be like little beads, because eventually that desiccant does wear out. Like, it does stop doing its job. You know, it's, it's, it's just a it's a sand based kind of desiccant. You can hear it um, kind of shift if you t- tumble it upside down. Um, so it, it's definitely a very fine kind of grit. Yeah. Nate is wondering, does it dry out the whole bag? The answer is uh, no. It seems to just dry out the immediate area around those canisters, otherwise known as the uh, otherwise known as the drone reed. It keeps the drone reed dry, but it doesn't seem to bother anything else in the bag, which is cool. Interesting. Um, cool. And then, Lynn, does it work uh, well enough to make sheepskin feasible for wet blowers? I'm a very wet blower. I've always just kind of played sheepskin anyway, but I would struggle with too much moisture. And so far, I'm crossing my fingers, so far this is uh, e- extremely promising. <laughs> uh, yeah. All bets are off here in the United States, you know, between, you know, what we got going on now, cold, hot, warm, wet, and then it gets dry, hot, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, that's 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 the true test right there, I think, is, totally. is how, it, how it withstands the uh, conditions of the sort of typical American <laughs> playing circuit. Okay, here's a good question, uh, which is, uh, how do the Canard evolutions compare to the Rockets? So the other interesting bit of information is I have recently uh, started playing the Canard evolutions, and I'm really happy with them. Um, I think it's a nice mixture between what the Canard was able to do and what the Rocket was able to do. And you can see they're very similar in shape to the Rockets. Um, so I highly recommend them. They're very good. Uh, very good option, and they seem they seem to really lock in well. And it might just be because it's new, but I think the design is also more conducive. Yeah, they're, good all, they're a good all-around read. You know, they just sort of have great harmonics that I think blend well with a lot of different drones and reads and whatnot. But um, yeah, and they're simple, right? They're not like a lot of reads have all kinds of moving parts. There's not that many. It's just based, sort of a basic uh, tongue body assembly with a little screw in the nose. I also like the carbon tongue myself. I, I think the carbon tongues on most of these reeds, I think, are superior than the glass tongue reeds that are out there. Um, I'm thinking overall, which is a, an advantage, I think. Um, yeah. Um, good. What other questions did we have? Uh, we, we had a question about Clan Campbell's. You ever played Clan Campbell's, uh, Vin? Oh, there's me with that mustache again. I have not. Clan Campbell's Gathering, I have not heard it. Okay, conceptually, I have this in PDF. Oops, Clan Campbell's Gathering. PDF. 
Mike says, does it change the sound quality because of the thickness of the wall? <clears throat> well, I think they're pretty careful to keep the thickness of the wall really similar to um, what we've seen before. And then <clears throat> um, I haven't really experienced any quality uh, deficiencies. Have you, Carl? Like, it seems to sound pretty nice. I mean, I've certainly not really noticed any any difference whatsoever in switching from my stock nail or my nail stocks um, to those. I, yeah, I've not been able to hear any discernible difference. It's interesting because a lot of people will say, like, you know, you know you people get into this kind of thing and talk about the actual chamber around the reed being as important for sound quality than the actual, you know, than in combination with your drones itself, right? And uh, yeah, you know, people use people use a pipe organ as an you know as a, as a sort of a comparison. You know, it's all about the chamber in which these things reside that give it the full sort of full resonance. You know, but I don't know. You know, like I, I I've always been sort of on the fence about that as a as a yeah. I mean, here's my thing. Concept. But um, here's my thing. The big these are plastic yes. versus the wood of your of your normal pipes. You know, so it's it's a big change if you're in, if you're thinking about those kinds of things. You know, the biggest impact on your drone reads are your drone reads. And so, therefore, moisture getting on your drone reads and be causing instability is going to have a much, much bigger impact over the sound than anything else. So if there is some minute difference between the wood uh, and, and the plastic or the shape of the drone stock or any of that, that kind of thing, um, that's going to be so – that's going to pale in, in comparison to – one, the shape of your drones, and more importantly, the drone read that you're playing. Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm with you. I understand, yeah. but I disagree that it's yeah. that it's at all I, important. I, 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 my my impression is that if you is if you can keep that chamber where the drone read is as constant as you know as as it can be, you're in a much better spot to produce a decent sound than than if you have say you know moisture going on there and you have a wood stock that changes with you know with the temperature and the environment just as much as everything else on your instrument. Um, so the conditions are never constant, you know, around that read anyway. So if you can keep it constant, you can make it constant, I think you're starting off at a better point, you know. It's all very interesting. Uh, now, in regards to the Clan Campbell's gathering question, uh, I forget who it was uh, that was asking that question. Who was it? Uh, Steve. So this is your first PBRAC. Well, uh, the bad news is I'm not really an expert on this tune, so I I feel like maybe we should uh, consult an expert. However, um, Steve, we could definitely get back to you. I'm not quite sure I know what you mean by your third, uh, by your third, second and third pulses. Ah, there we are. I kind of like that camera switching. That's pretty cool. So what is the question about this tune exactly? It has to do with he's having trouble with his second and third pulses. Second and third pulses. Well, I'm not quite sure where he's talking about or, or what have you.
I sort of vaguely remember hearing this tune, um, and and I, I'm vaguely familiar with how it should go, but I've never played it. So so anyway, uh, Steve, Bruce Gandy's your man. He's talking about P-Rock tonight, Dojo U. Um, yeah. That would be the best solution I could offer. Um, and I don't think have, has uh, Donald covered this at Dojo U. That's another thing to check. We have not covered this at Dojo U. Okay, Dan says, I'm having trouble hemping one tenor drone. Can't get it just right to make tuning easy. Either the top is too tight or too loose. It could be a problem with the shape of the tenor bore, uh, but sometimes you just need to experiment with different amounts of hemp uh, at different How old are your pipes? I can't see these questions, by the way. Are these private questions to you? No. No. They're in the chat window. Oh, I think I'm just scrolled up too high. There we go. There we go. Oh, 67 years old. Seven, so they, the border should be pretty good still. <laughs> um, the top is too tight or too loose. I would I would re I would well, take I would all the you, hemp off and start again. Yeah, I, I would make sure if if you're using I mean I don't know if you're using sort of a compression at all if you're sort of compressing the hemp before you put it in there you know, with a sort of rolling a sort of block of wood or something similar around it. It could be just an unbalanced compression that you're applying um, if you're doing that. Um, I, I've, I've done that in the past. You know, you sort of, you know, one side gets a little more compressed than the other, and then the whole thing's uneven a little bit, and, you know, and you're sort of, it's like trying to even out a three-legged stool, you know. <laughs> so um, the best bet is just to take it all up and start again, you know. Seems like a three-legged stool would be pretty stable. Should be, until you start fixing it, and then you start cutting off little bits here and there to try to get it stable, you know. <laughs> and you never, it never works. I haven't run into that problem, but <laughs> uh, most of my stools have four legs. All right, uh, let's see. Yeah, Dan, that, um, it's definitely possible, unlikely, but possible that the, the, the drone has come out of um, uh, – out of true, if you will, out of true round. Um, and uh, McCallum will definitely um, bore that out for you if if you're um, convinced that the, it's, it's not hemp, that it really is um, some change in the bore um, in the chamber. And you can, you know, maybe take that to a local, um, you know, metal shop or something, and they can they can put a tool on it just to. Uh, to see if there's any change in the in the bore, um, you know, it's just a yeah, fancy it's set. Six or seven years ago is pretty pretty short period of time for that to happen, really. But it isn't. It, it isn't. I mean, you never know. With McCallum, they they ha they go through so much wood um, that it's it's just a little bit more likely that um, you know, a bad piece might have snuck in there, and, and that's not the end of the world. Um, they can just bore that back out. And then you're you're set to go, um, and, and so yeah, just uh, uh, you know, pay attention to that. And Lynn, I disagree. They do age the wood um, uh, for for their pipes, um, and, and 
you know, 95% of their sets that come out are really, really, really good um, and don't have problems. But it does happen. So, uh, But that's true of any maker of any set of wood. You never know how the wood is going to respond to to moisture and changes in moisture. So. Um, also has well, I mean, it's not so much the age of the, the seasoning and aging of the wood either, because they, they, there's ways now that they, they sort of age and season the wood in ways that are very fairly consistent, and I think very ends up with a great result. The age of the wood really is how old was it before it was harvested. So it's really whatever seasoning they apply may not be good enough to uh, accommodate the fact that it's, you know, it maybe it was harvested too early. You know, or if it was, you know, so it's the wood itself is just, you know, inferior. Um, so that's just like it's like Carl said, just that one piece snuck in there. You know, it's if it's not just your drone top, it could be your drone top and maybe a couple of middle parts somewhere else, you know, from that stock, you know, that 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 run or something, you know. Um, so you never know. It's worth checking out, I guess. Yeah, I, I think it could happen uh uh, it could happen to pretty much any set. I mean, unless it's like, you know, I think Dave Atherton is really exhaustively selective about his wood. Uh, but that's also part mm -hmm. of what makes his pipes, uh, it's part, not, it's part of what makes his pipes, uh, you know, that higher end instrument. Um, and, um, mm -hmm. you know, so, yeah. So, yeah, go with it. Go with it. Let the wood, let the wood do its thing, people. And then, yeah, if, if, pieces end up get, getting warped or something um you know nail and mccallum have great warranties um and uh you know so yeah uh back to the thing about the drone uh check it out i mean i don't know would you use like calipers or something carl to make sure the bore was true yeah. there's a there's a, and, there's a tool if you put in a lathe there's a there's an actual um bore gauge you know that they can put in there and it'll actually center you know see if how you know how round um, and nothing's truly round. <laughs> Let's get that out of the way. But uh, it will actually check to see if, you know, how out of round it might be, you know. It's like a little sort Yeah, of I mean, but even, a, I mean, what you're talking about there, Dan, is is that the, the bore potentially could be cone-shaped. And that you can check with just a standard pair of, of um, calipers designed to check bores. They have little, they have longer arms on them. Um, and, and you'd be able to see if there was any noticeable coning to that um, but you, you probably don't have that tool it's probably expensive so you, you might try a, a machine shop awesome what other questions do we have how's it sound <laughs> more to the point you know if, if it's if hemping is one thing but it's like if you get decent sound out of it because usually if it's got that kind of warpage going on you're you're going to hear it too it's not going to be a something that's just about, you know, putting it on the tuning slide. It's, the sound is going to suffer as well. It might be harder to lock that tenor in um, almost always. So I don't know if that's that's what you're experiencing. Um, sounds great. It could just be tricky to tune. It could be, Let's you know, it could be just that little bit out, you know. Let's go back to that controversial topic. To Teflon or not to Teflon? No. No. Um, I'll start... <laughs> Start by saying Teflon is awesome in your frying pan because yeah. it keeps things from sticking. Um, and so when we use a lubricant to try and tighten up our um, our drones, uh, it it forces you to put more pressure 
uh, on the piece, um, both on the pin and on the chamber. Uh, and so for that reason, I really don't like it because you have to make your drones tighter in order to keep them from sliding. Um, and then there's also, of course, the argument that it's an abrasive and it can, um, you know, yeah, can I, I, change the way that your drones are. Yeah, Victor mentions that Teflon is very harsh on wood. Well, it's not just harsh. The, the material used, even though it's this thin tape that just sort of stretches thin, is harder than the wood on, at that level. So, the, the you know, the material being used on that, that strippy tape, and only because it's only weak and stretchy because how little of it is there. So, but the, at that level, it's harder than the wood, the surface of the wood that you're putting it in. So it's ev eventually going to wear on that wood. It's just like anything else. It's harder, you know, rubbed against something that's softer. It's just going to make a mark. It's going to wear. It's going to, over time, you know, make, make, uh, make a difference. So... Um, that said, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it would be good for a stopgap solution if you needed to use it, you know, something like that. I've often um, I've put it on my blow stick stock, which is plastic, you know, um, occasionally just to keep, you know, the blow stick nice and tight. So things like that. Um, I do not use it currently, though, because I can't stand this stuff, <laughs> personally. The other thing I hate about it is is it kind of gets your drones threading. And so... You know, if you if you've ever walked around and tuned a band, it's the most frustrating thing because um, when you're playing your own pipes and tuning your own pipes, you're working this way, and so you you twist the drones one way. Well, when you're coming around from behind somebody and trying to tune the drones, you go to move the drone down, mm -hmm. and it spins the wrong way, and it goes up, or it doesn't move, or it's oh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> well, it's just a, a simple. It's a simple logic too. It's like you know, like you said, that Teflon is used to make things tighter and seal them. You know, to not so they don't move anymore. <laughs> you know, that's its job. So why are you going to put it on something that's going to need to be moved a lot? You know, um, it doesn't make any sense. You know, and it, and Lynn is saying that Rodney McClellan is, is says that Teflon can fray and work its way into the tiny pores of the wood, and I would totally agree with that. Um, you know, like I said, the Teflon material that's being used is very tiny and it's not much at all, so it easily can make its way into nooks and crannies <laughs> um, over time. So, like, I don't would, don't think you would want that on your wood. You know, it's much better to have beeswax stuck in there than it is Teflon tape, you know. Yeah, I mean, and natural, you know, wax, pre-wax temp, it's great. If you just, I mean, you just need an extra strand here or there and then your pipes tighten up or maybe you can Occasionally, you have to pull that off. But it's way easier than the Teflon. I mean, how many people have ever tried to pull that Teflon off? And it's just like a chore. You either got to cut it off or you learn this really cool technique where you take duct tape, and that pulls it off pretty quickly. But uh, just What do you yeah. really gain by using Teflon? That's my point. Yeah. Right. All you gain is a big old mess, and it doesn't do anything any differently than waxed hemp. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wax hemp, you know, that works too. I choose too. to ignore the entire debate and uh, <laughs> and use waxed hemp. And then if I come across someone with Teflon tape that I'm trying to tune, I just like wrench at their drone repeatedly until it becomes really uncomfortable for the player, and then they switch to <laughs> waxed hemp. Yeah. Um, and, and then Nate, of course, stumbles here over the other age-old debate, um, whether to use unwax temp and wax it with bees yourself or pre-wax. Um, I 
I personally prefer the beeswax because I like the natural tack um, and, and the way that I can uh, set up my drones. Uh, that being said, uh, I can't tell you how many times I just grab the pre-wax stuff and just use that. Yeah. Um, it's Beast so convenient. There's really so little difference. It, yeah. I always wax over the wax temp anyway. Like a lot of, yeah. like, lately, I've just been because I have several rolls of it. It's like I just take beeswax and wax over. The already yep. <laughs> just like putting natural beeswax on it, just like it was. It had nothing on it, so I've got a combination of things going on there. Ah, Nate, sorry, I misunderstood you. Natural yeah. hemp, as in the white stuff. Yes, you can actually buy natural hemp now. Um, and the argument is that it swells less. Um, I found it to be a little bit coarser and and thicker, um, which I don't love about it. Um, I had one that I one joint that I did with the the actual natural hemp. I don't know if I still have the roll hanging around here somewhere. Um, the stuff's white, and it's cool, but I, I just don't know. find that I can't get a good sound unless I use natural hemp. Not on your pipes, <laughs> right? <laughs> Stop. Let's not be inappropriate. You can't use the yellow hemp. It's so radically different from the natural stuff that it's impossible to get a good sound. Okay, I'll admit it. I'm being sarcastic, right? Like, um, <laughs> again, I'll weigh in with my with my uh, conservative approach to this problem, which yeah. is um, when the yellow stuff is sitting there on the shelf already waxed for you, why wouldn't you just use that? <laughs> it's the same price as the unwaxed. Wait a second. There's something going on here. Yeah. Although I will say, like, Angus McCall uses Teflon on his drone tuning pins, which surprised me, actually. So, um, you know, who knows? Whatever. It's not about, it's not about, it's all about, like, any, you know, and he's, but he's also got, I think, he said something like, you know, five or six sets of pipes he's playing or something. He's, he's playing each one a little bit here and there. So who knows? You know, he just, and then, you know, and, and if you're doing that, I, the Teflon would actually keep it from absorbing and shifting and with moisture and stuff like that a little bit more. So maybe that's why he does it. I don't know. But, you know, go figure. Yeah. What do you think about this whole Vaseline phase that's that's going through the, uh, the barracks, Carl? I, I don't use Vaseline personally. I use a little chapstick. Um, but basically, because it's a paraffin wax, which is what um, the pre-waxed hemp uses, uh, so I don't actually use the, the Vaseline because that's a petroleum jelly. Uh, then again, they're all petroleum products. <sighs> Go, yeah, for, Go it, for it, if that makes you happy. Yeah. I just happen to use yeah. ChapStick. Uh, I think it's a great trick, right? Uh, you can get your drone. Um, it's just a little too tight. Uh, you put a little ChapStick on it and Perfect. It's yeah. it's brilliant. Um, so I see no problem with that. Most bore oils are petroleum derived as well. If right. You're, you know, right. So I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Well, what do you say we wrap it up there? Did we forget any of the key questions? Or is that a good spot? I think that's someone's got something else. Pretty good. We've settled every controversy that might arise. <laughs> yeah, so the up. good news is the uh, 
Um, the rain is melting all the snow, which is great. And the bad news is we're supposed to get like eight inches on top of this once it's all melted. <laughs> Gonna be it's like the most it? disgusting thing I've ever seen, too, around here. It's like these piles of ice are just sort of slowly melting, and it's just like debris and dirt and disgusting. It's just like they're piles of ash everywhere. It's yeah. crazy. It's, it's gross. Yes, indeed it is. Well, everyone, uh, thanks for coming today. I think this turned out to be quite a fruitful show indeed. Um, and so thanks all for coming, and we'll be back next week with more inspiration uh, from Dojo U. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Take care. Good afternoon. See you.